You're listening to the Church of Life and Praise podcast. If you'd like more information about our ministry, please visit us at churchoflifeandpraise.com or check us out on Facebook. Our prayer is that you would come to know Jesus in a deeper way. Now, enjoy the message. All right. We are entering into the season of Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday will be May 28th. And I want to speak on a series of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the efficacy of uh, what the Pentecostal experience is. And uh, so I just felt to do it this, uh, this time. And so if you'll turn to Ephesians 17, 1 to 7. Exodus, I mean, not Ephesians. Exodus. Exodus. 17. I'm reading from the King James Version. New King James, I mean. Not not King James, but New King James. Amen? Exodus 17, 1 to 7. Now, I've entitled my message today, Rephidim. Rephidim. And it means a place of rest. A place of rest. And that's where God evidently was talking to us today about a place of rest. Amen. I'm going to ask, before I speak, I'm going to ask some of the men. Um, um, Sammy is having trouble with his car. And um, so uh, he wants, uh, he doesn't want, and, and he never asked. Um, I suggested to him that we will try to help him uh, and guide him and, and get him. He lost his brakes. He thinks he, thinks he has. And so uh, if, if some of you men that know anything about cars and that know anything about uh, a nice mechanic or whatever, let him explain it, let Sammy explain it to us, and then we can uh, see what we can do to help him. So some of you men, will you stay behind if you can and will uh, and uh, talk to him? All right? Okay, and we, uh, we'll meet with him. And is that all right, Jamie? Okay. Sammy. Oh, I'll call you anything and everything by the time you get through here. Amen. <laughs> and they'll all be good names, though. They'll be... Praise God. Rephidim, a place of rest. Let's look at Exodus 17, 1 to 7. I don't know how far I'll get, but we'll get as far as we can and stop there. Exodus 17, 1 through 7, New King James Version. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on that journey uh, from the wilderness of sin. Now what's happened is here, uh, they have just been freed, okay, from the bondage of Egypt. About three million strong, they were leaving um, Egypt, and they were traveling into the wilderness. Okay, and um, uh, so this is what it's, the story is about. This is their en route to Mount Sinai, and on their way to Canaan or the Promised Land, where Israel is a, is a nation now and the land that they have. So this is the beginning of that journey. So they're on the way. Okay, and they're in the wilderness, and they're in the wilderness of sin. Now, that is, has got nothing to do spiritually. That's just the name of it, S-I-N in the English, okay? All right, so then all the con congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin on their way to Sinai, or Sinai, Sinai, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. And here's typical Israel. Therefore the people contended with Moses. Does it sound familiar? Even today. Therefore people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? Verse 3. And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why is it you have brought us out of, out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? 
So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? <laughs> oh, glory. Amen. They almost, they almost were ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod, which you struck the river and go. And that river was the river Nile. Okay, behold, I stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. Now, there's meaning to these script, these verses here, and we're going to get into it. Behold, I will stand uh, before you there on the rock in Horeb. You will strike the rock, and the water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa. That means tempted, where he struck the rock. And Meribah, which means contention. And so they were tempted and, and had contention because of the lack of water. Because of the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Amen. Now, I want to, in my, my, for my scripture text, I want to go to Exodus 17.1. Then all the children of Israel are set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Now, I've already explained this, but I'm going to say it again. After leaving uh, Egypt and journeying through the wilderness of sin, they encamped at Rephidim, and they, as I said, they were on their way to Sinai. Again, but there was no water. And... The people didn't have any water to drink or water for their animals. Now, you understand, you've got about three million people here. They're coming out of Egypt. And Moses was responsible to, have, to lead and to guide those three million people. That's a lot of water. And that's a lot of people to feed for drink, for, to, to, uh, to, for drink and for water. Amen? And uh, so here they are. And, of course, we know that humans cannot... I exist very long without water. We can exist quite some time without food, but but uh, our bodies require nourishment of water. So, so and so it is with the soul cannot exist in this wicked world on the barren, empty elements that it offers. It's only a mirage. It looks good from a distance, but it's empty and unfruitful. Nothing in this world will satisfy. You can have nothing in this world. You say, well, why, why are you talking about this, this to us, Pastor? We already know that. Well, sometimes the devil comes along and makes, other than following Jesus, look a lot better. Sometimes we'll get into a position and a place like where there's no water in Rephidim. The name... Uh, belies itself. As you go to Rephidim, you're supposed to have rest, but when you get there, there's no water. And sometimes uh, in the church, you get all kind of promises and everything else, and then you get into a dry place. And sometimes it's almost always tempted to give up, and sometimes we get to murmuring and complaining. And we ask God, where are you? Etc., etc. And there's nothing really wrong with asking God where you are until we dwell on it too much until we see everything negative. Sometimes we think too much. And our mind has a tendency to pull us in the wrong direction. Point speaking in a perfect condition, a perfect situation, Adam and Eve had all the graces and goodness of God and kept looking at that tree. And sometimes they, we keep looking at things we don't need to be looking. I'm not watching, talking about TV and I'm not talking, I'm talking about situations. And when we get in a situation, sometimes it is very tempting to give up. So that's why I'm talking to you today about Rephidim. Because sometimes as Christians, Holy Spirit, well, I thought you were going to talk about Pentecost, you know, about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the fire that's coming down and miracles and signs and wonders. I will. But in the midst of all the fire and the might, and we want this, and we read books about this, and get all caught up. And then when it doesn't happen in our lives just the way it did in the book, we get discouraged. Well, where is it? 
Why, why don't we have it? Because we're going through battles. We're going through hardships. We go through trials. But did you catch the testimony of Pastor Jim? We almost lost Ruth. And the church went to fasting and praying. She's still in the hospital. Well, why didn't she come out of the hospital? I don't know. Instead of talking about that, look at the thing that God has done. When, she, when, I walked, when I was in the hospital with Jim, it did not look very good. I, to admit to you, I was here. Well, why didn't you go in and lay hands on her? Because I couldn't. Because the doctors were all around her and everything else. And I'd have been intrusive and they would have told me to leave. So I stood out there in the hall and I prayed. Talk, took Jim in a room that they had there in the ICU in Ellsworth. And, and we sat there and talked and we prayed there. And he came and he spoke to me and he said, Pastor, he said, I'm telling you, I had a rough night of it last night, but he said, I've made my peace with God. That doesn't mean he, got, he had something wrong going in his life. He just said, I made my peace with God. He said, Pastor, it's all right. If God takes her, I'm at peace. If God chooses to heal her, I'm at peace. I made my point. And I can remember back when my wife was on death's door. I found myself getting alone with God. God will take us through. Rephidim means rest. And what I'm going to talk about, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will give us rest in the hard times. We've got to learn how to live in the hard times. If you go through the Bible, even in the book of Acts, and then you get into the, the epistles, First and Second Corinthians, Ephesians, uh, uh, Colossians, Philippians, etc. And listen to the story of the circumstances that they were in and God provided. Paul was beaten. A man of God was beaten senseless in one of the cities. I can't remember now. And they dragged him out and threw him on the ground for dead. Oh, this is the miracle worker. Well, that's Paul lying on the ground. Everybody thinks he's dead. The people prayed. He got up and walked away. There are times when you're going, even Holy Spirit-filled people are going to go through times of trials. But in the midst of that, there comes a rest in the Spirit. This is the rest that causes the weary to rest. What do we go? We go to the Lord. Here was Moses in a situation. All right? But in all of this that we see here in the book of Exodus is a story behind it and what it represents. There are times when God allows us to go situations through situations to teach us. If we have candy and ice cream all the time, it's not going to do our bodies good. Some we have, sometimes we have to eat the spinach. Sometimes we have to eat asparagus. Sometimes we have to eat, what's those things that are about that long? <laughs> Thank you, Mike. You're really inspiring. No. They, not hot dogs. Some of the times we have to go through. Uh, thank you for that wonderful insight. Praise the Lord. The experience of supply of water from the walk is a type of Jesus Christ, the giver of the spirit of life. So these became examples for us. God allowed this Old Testament to be written and some of these stories to be example of what we will have in the New Testament. This is talking about the uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, if you uh, please. This is talking about the plan of salvation at Rephidim, the place of rest. 
God knew what he was doing. In fact, God dictated to the children of Israel to go to certain places knowing that he, they were going to find good and bad. They didn't fully learn it. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he put those things there, okay, for our example. First of all, the example of things not to do and not to follow and things that we can learn from these stories about the plan of salvation. From Genesis to Revelation, the one main story in the Word of God is our salvation. And I like the Word of God, and I like the truthfulness of God that He tells us and shows us that it's not all uh, tripping through the daisies or roses or whatever they call Sangamon. But there are some times when you have to tiptoe and you have to tiptoe around things. And the God says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to become your guide. We think of the day of Pentecost and all of that's wonderful. But we've also got to understand that the Holy Spirit is still working when we can't see him working. He is our guide and he will lead us through and we'll always come through victorious. The Bible says we go from victory to victory to victory. But that does not, he does not, uh, that does not mean that we don't have the valley in between the two victories. But Rephidim is a place of rest. It's a type, and I'm going to say it again, it's a type of Jesus Christ, the giver of the spirit of life, the infilling of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. Let's look at Exodus 17, 5 and 6. And the Lord said, Exodus 17, 5 and 6. And the Lord said to Moses, on, uh, uh, go on before the people. Also take in your hand your rod which you struck the river Nile. And go, and that river, that means Nile. And go. Six, behold, I will stand before you on the rock in Horeb, and you will strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it, that the people may drink. Now, he said, Mo, he said to Moses, you take the rock. You use it to Nile River in Egypt, where miracles happened. Where you, you know the story about how he took the rod and he spread it out over, over the... Uh, over the river, and this happened, and that happened, and, and everything else, the river turned to blood and all that, the miraculous. And so he was reminding Moses, he said, you take that rod where you had the miracle, the same rod that you had the miracles with, and now go and strike the rock. And you're going to get the same results that you got. Now, what does a rod represent? It represents the authority of Almighty God, the ensign of victory, the sign of victory. You take the sign of victory with you, Moses, and go with it. And Moses had that rod all through his wilderness journeys, and he used it a lot. After this, he stretched, uh, I mean, he also stretched the uh, rod out over the Red Sea, and they walked on dry ground. And sometimes we have the Red Sea before us and there's no way out. Mountains on both sides, enemy behind us, and it doesn't look good. But all you got to do is call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and he will make a way. You that are sitting here right now can tell me times when you didn't see anything in front of you. There was mountains on both sides. The enemy was at your back. And there was an impasse in front of you. You didn't know which way to turn. But by the unction of the Holy Spirit, you stretched forth the rod of the authority of the power of the Holy Spirit and he parted the waters for you. And how easy it is sometimes for us to forget. And we say, well, where is God? Where he always is. He's with you, he's beside you, and he's walking with you in authority. And he will take you through. I know. I have been there. 
I have seen God move. Remember the time? And, and, working, and I'm working for Jesus. Working hard for him. Passing the church in Stonington. Traveling all the way from Rockland, 80 miles. And then I took on the church in Bar ba 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 Harbor, which merged with this one. Serving God, going night and day. And within one week, I had to change five tires on my car, including the spare. Now, I was working for the Lord. Where are you now, God? Why did you allow me to have to change five tires? Was I working? Yes. Did I have money to buy tires? No. But God sent a young man with a, with a group that came to speak for us. And he saw my dilemma. And he says, Pastor, I'll loan you the money to get tires. I went out and put five brand new tires on my car. But I had to pay him back. Did God provide? He sure did. You see, this is the same situation. And it's a type of the power of the Holy Spirit in action in my life, in your life. And some of you can sit here today while I'm talking about my story, can come up with stories how God has provided a few. Why we go through troubles and trials, I don't know. But the thing about, well, I do know, because we have an adversary that is the devil, and he will not let you go. Uh, uh, one of the prophets, I can't remember what his name is now, said, when you go, and you probably, I think I've spoken this recently, but when you go and find, and your final destination, and your final time on this earth, he said, and your pearly gates, close behind you. He says, stop and listen. You'll still hear the arrows being shot by the devil aiming at you. What am I saying? That it is not going to stop until you get there. But we go from victory unto victory unto victory. God says, take the rod of authority which represents the word of God. He said, and go and strike the rock. Take the rock that you used in Egypt, he said. The rod that was stretched out over the Red Sea and the waters parted. The rod that accompanied Moses for the rest of his wilderness journey. And like I said, what is the rod a type of? It represents the authority divested in us through the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something right now. When you went down in that name, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in that time of burial of, uh, in, in, in your baptism, you didn't take that name on and it just wasn't ritual. That meant something. When you went and you stood in those waters and that preacher pronounced that, that, uh, that uh, uh, statement over you, I now bury you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I want to tell you, you were not only buried in the water, but you were buried in the authority and the power and the might of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? The name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a strong tower, who is a mighty God, who never fails, who has wrapped himself in flesh and dwelt among us and walks among us and he's still walking today and he's still Lord Jesus Christ because when you were baptized in his name you took him on as Lord you took him on as Savior you took him on as anointed and I want to tell you he anoints your life every single day you walk in his anointing and the authority of his name and all hells tremble when you mention that name. Devil helps, the devil hates that name. Take that rod. Mm. Mark 28. 
This is after Jesus' representation, resurrection. 16, New King James. Then the eleven disciples went away to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed to them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them. When you are in trouble, go to the Lord and cry out to him and ask him for help. Lay it down before the Lord and say, God, here I am. I took on your name. I'm filled with your spirit. I'm crying out to you. I need help. Lay the problem there before him. Don't be afraid to tell Jesus your troubles. Is this making sense to you? Stand. Now look, you're not fighting the battle. The Lord is fighting with you. I'm fighting with you and fighting through you. And he came to them and spoke to them. And this is what he said. Now you got to understand the picture here. They hadn't really recognized and it hadn't sunk in that Jesus had rose from the dead. Some believed and some didn't. They had been through a hard, hard time. Some up all night at the crucifixion in the time of the trial. And they saw what Jesus went through, the blood and the guts the Bible said he poured out his soul unto death. His very soul was torn apart. His spirit, his body. He was unrecognizable. This is the picture that the disciples were seeing. No wonder they went into hiding. They said, they're singing, if they'll take him, he's our leader. He's our rabbi. What are they going to do to us if they get us? So they went into hiding. And sometimes we think, what cowards? No, I probably would have done the same thing if I was there and saw my master crucified. Well, it's all over. That's what they were discussing on the road to Emmaus, some of his disciples. And they were discussing all of what the prophets and in the law and the prophets had said. And then they said, and this is the third day and nothing's happened. And Jesus comes along and says, what's up, boys? They said, You've been, haven't you been to Jerusalem? And haven't you heard? I mean, it was a story in the hours. It was in all the papers. It was on all the TV news. The rabbi of the Christians, rabbis of the Jewish rabble, has been crucified. We finally had victory. There was a talk of the town, and that's why they were astonished. But Jesus was walking in his resurrection body and they didn't, they didn't recognize him. Until they saw what? And what? The breaking of the bread. Because the bread represents the body of Jesus Christ. And they jumped up from the table and Jesus Disappeared from their sight. Now he he didn't go and go back into Jerusalem. Said I'm going to get vengeance. He had the, he had a better plan. So they rushed back to Jerusalem and said, "Did you hear what I did? You I got to tell you, we were, I mean, can you imagine the excitement when they got there? Everybody was there but Thomas." And we accuse Thomas of being a doubter. Well, would you not have been in a little doubt? When you stood at the cross and you saw the blood, you heard the cries of the Lord. If you read Psalm 22, you will see what Jesus went through on the cross. There was times when he was hallucinating and he said, look at him, the dogs are after me. And he began, and then he comes back to himself. And, and uh, Psalm 22, 
is a prophetic statement on what Jesus went through on the cross. Do you think Jesus just whisked through the cross? No. It was the worst death that the Romans could devise to keep a law and order in their empire. Jesus walked by that cross, those crosses every single day. There was never a time that there was not a cross there. And the disciples saw him too. But the Bible says that they did not, they, the disciples didn't have a clue even after the resurrection. But this is what he said. He said, I want you to go to, to Galilee. He showed himself to him. He said, go to Galilee. I want you to go there. I want to talk to you. They came in Galilee. And this is what he said. He said, all authority has been given in heaven and earth, has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What was he telling them? I'm transferring my authority to you. And that's what happens when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The authority of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ has been transferred to you. There is no demon in hell that can conquer you. You may lose everything you've got. And let me tell you something. We're coming into an era in this country... Listen to me, saints. Listen to me hard and strong. Roman, Paul said in Romans, now is the time, okay, to, to make your calling and election sure. Now is the time to wake up and understand. Now is the time to become alert. Don't let the forces of darkness dull your instinct and dull your mind. Get filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit. Strengthen. Because there's things that are coming up on this earth that you can't even imagine that's going to take place. Whoever thought just before the World War II, eight million Jews would be crucified and killed. And do you think we Christians are going to escape in these latter days? That's why it's more imperative to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I am fear of those who deny that the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues is real. God, wake them up. And they profess to follow Jesus. I'm not condemning them, but my God. They're denying the very power that's going to help them through. It's real, saints. It's coming. But I'm going to, the Bible says, I think it's in Daniel, it says, they that know that God are going to do exploits. If you know that in the book of Acts, while we saw the miracles and all of that happening, it was amid persecution. Remember I just preached on the exiles over in Asia Minor. And Peter was writing to encourage them. They had been dispersed by the Roman government and put into exile. They never returned back to their homeland. They were taken out of their houses. They were taken away from their villages. And if they had it, they were sent off. But these people went out from that, right? Do you realize just as soon as the Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, just as soon as the, 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 uh, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost occurred, persecution rose up and scattered the Christians. They left Jerusalem like flies. And this was part of the spora in Asia Minor. And Peter was writing to him, don't give up hope. You are the elect. Do you understand, spirit-filled people, you are the elect 
of God that's going to do exploits in the last day, that's going to see signs and wonders. You wondering where they are now? Honey, I want to tell you they're coming, but it's going to be in the midst of persecution. If you want to know how the church reacted and what the church was like, etc., and what's going to come up on it, read the book of Acts. And we're still in the book of Acts. And I'm bringing to you the five wise and the five foolish virgins. Ten virgins. Okay, they were a type of the church. Some had the experience of the Holy Spirit. Some, when they first started, were, 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 were uh, dedicated and alive and fire. And they let their fire go out. And this is exactly what has happened to the church today. There is part of Christendom that is dead, dried, and no oil. But there were five wise virgins. They not only had oil in their lamps, but they also had a, a container with oil in it. And pretty soon they heard the sound, the bridegroom coming. They all slept. And I believe right now that the church is going through that stage. But I'm going to tell you that the coming of revival. And it's going to be brought on, listen to me saints, listen to me good, by persecution. And those of us that are filled with the Holy Spirit, I mean up to date, are going to rise up and do exploits. I remember way back in 1970, there's a prophecy that came forth in the church we started in Calvary Tabernacle and, and prophesied about the last days and said there's going to be some standing here that's going to experience persecution by death. Are you listening to me? We need to get serious about this. Not looking just for the hypes and the jumps and... We need to get serious about this. We need to get to the point where we're determined. I mean, my God, can you remember, think about three million people complaining to one man and saying, what you do bring out to you? Wish we'd gone. And poor Moses heard that over and over and over again. Wish we'd left him. Wish we'd stayed in Egypt. Wish we stayed in Egypt. Do you know what they had in Egypt? Nothing. They were beaten. They were starved to death. They were deprived of their, their daily rations. They were deprived of, of their home life. They were in a mess. For 400 years, they were in captivity. And they're saying, let us go back to Egypt? God said, okay, I'm going to show them my power. You know, even when we don't deserve it, God shows us up his power. Are you following me? So in that very trying hour, God was showing them. I'm not going to finish this, but God was showing, for, showing uh, them this. Exodus 17, 6 says, Behold, I will, I will stand before you on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it that you may drink. 1 Corinthians 10, 4, if you, 10, 1 through 4, if you read that. I mean, if you'll go to that. And this is Paul talking to the Corinthians and saying, all those things that happened in the Old Testament are for your example. And let's look at them. It says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers, that's the Old Testament saints, were under the cloud. What was the cloud? The glory cloud. And the glory cloud led them. The glory never left them. Do you realize the glory never left them until they went into Canaan, which is a type of heaven? In type. Didn't look too good, but the Israels made a mess of it. But anyway, that's what it represented. Thank God there's one heaven that nobody can mess up. So it says, you were under, you, you passed under the cloud. What was he talking about? The presence of Almighty God. Do you understand that in Israel, when they were faced at the Red Sea, the enemy was after them. Then all of a sudden, there came a cloud that was enfolded with fire and light. 
and it was standing there and folding there and on behind them was darkness over them was light the cloud became darkness to the world and light to Israelites are you following me here we're seeing a testimony of the representation of the glory and manifestation of God I want to tell you something what you have in you every time you speak in tongues it's a reminder of the glory cloud you not only have it around you you have it in you well thank God for your enthusiasm do you understand who you have in you you have the spirit of Christ which we call the baptism or which we call the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. And if you've spoken in tongues, that's a sign that you got it. We can't let it go dormant. I'm here to tell you, we need to speak in tongues every day. Every time we go to prayer, we need to speak in tongues. We need to pray in tongues. We need to worship in tongues. Paul said, I will praise the Lord with my understanding and in the spirit also. What he was talking about, I'm going to praise him in tongues also. We have a great thing here. And this is an example. This is the rest that causes the weary to rest. And I'm telling you little by little, because it says here, uh, uh, moreover, in 1 Corinthians 10, and I got to stop, dear Lord. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware of our forefathers, that's the Old Testament saints, and I know I read it, were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, that's talking about water baptism, all were baptized into Moses, because he was their leader. Who's our leader? Who's our leader? So whose name should we be baptized in? Huh? That's what he said. That's what it represents there. In a cloud and in the sea, the cloud that followed them uh, and, and, uh, and the Red Sea followed them through. They were in the cloud. Then it says here, they ate the same spiritual food, manna, all drank from the same spiritual drink, for they drank the same spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, the rock symbolized Christ Jesus as a supplier of living water, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Moses was a type of the law, and he could not satisfy their need. They had to go to someone higher. Rituals and all that stuff cannot satisfy. And let me tell you something. I won't go that far, but anyway. As a great leader, as a great leader as Moses was, he could not satisfy their thirst. Now, look at this. He said, I will go before you, Jesus said. I will go for you in Exodus 17. I will stand before you on the rock. I will stand on the rock. God standing on the rock depicts the incarnate Christ. Did you get that? God dwelt in Christ. What did Philip say? Show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, I mean, Philip, have you been so long a time with me and have not known me? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Not the likeness of the Father, but the Father. Why? Because he says, the Father lives in me, and I in the Father. We shouldn't be ashamed of this. There are a lot of people that say, in fact, I run across two men. I'm not going to tell you what denomination. And they was trying to persuade one woman that Jesus wasn't God. And I wouldn't even satisfy them to get in the fray. I know that's what they want. Let them go. I was disgusted. 
And I just walked away. I thought, what's the sense? I'm casting my, 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 my pearls before. Amen. I didn't want to say it, but. Okay. We got to be proud of what we got. Now, arrogant, haughty, no. You're going to be proud and happy that you've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be proud that you know that Jesus is the incarnate God. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. A lot of people are denying the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. These two guys were andamant. I mean, we're andamant as Christians or true Christians trying to tell people that uh, God was in Christ, that Jesus is, is, uh, is, is the Father in the flesh. Can you say amen? And here they're going around trying to prove that God isn't, that, God is, that Jesus isn't God. And I'm thinking, oh, God, help us. What is that doing? And good is it? I would tell you the two, but they were from, part of, I, three guesses and the first two don't count. And then? So he says, I'm going to go there and I'm going to stand on the rock. You strike the rock and the water will come out of it that you may drink. Here it is. This is now all things. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. Oh, Lord Jesus. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us through himself, uh, to himself through Jesus Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not charging or reckoning that trespasses to them. Jesus, God standing on the rock says, okay, this is what I am. Now, we also, we must have water. Can you give me about five minutes? I won't finish it, but I'll do my best. We must have water. We must have the smitten Christ. Everybody say it. We must have the smitten Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Therefore, the blood and the water agree together. They work together. They create the new worth. Go to John 19, 31 and 35. I'm reading from the New King James Version. John 19, 31, 35. Therefore, because it was a preparation day, this was Jesus was on the cross, that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was the high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers, listen to this now, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. He's talking about himself, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you might believe. Jesus Christ was smitten on Calvary, and blood and water flowed from his side. I do not believe this was only just circumstances or just the fulfillment of prophecy concerning Jesus' bones not being broken or from our Savior's broken heart. And it was both of these. I believe the blood and water flow together as a, listen to me, as a testimony of the life-giving flow of redemption, freedom, liberty, and complete deliverance from sin through the precious blood of our Savior, the power of the, uh, our Savior, the power of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The water represented life. The blood 
represented cleansing and forgiveness of sin. These both work. Saints, listen to me. These both work in our salvation. Yeah, you repent. God forgives you your sins. You're reconciled with God, but you need more. It's wonderful. And if you should die, you would go to heaven. But we're not getting saved to die. We're getting saved to take up the cross and follow Jesus Christ. We're getting saved to take the message of Jesus Christ. We're, we're, get, we're saved to, to be representatives of Jesus Christ on this earth. We, the church, are God's body, spirit-filled body on this earth. The church is the spiritual body of Christ. And we are representing him to the world. And John, on, the, on that day of crucifixion, when that, when, when, when that soldier put that spear in his side, <clears throat> and I know the physical duress and all of that, but also that was a sign of the blood and the water. The blood that brought remission. And the water that brought purification and the power of the Holy Spirit. That symbolized that. I believe that with all my heart. Amen. And we're not complete. Oh, saints, you're not complete without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You, we need it. And we're going to be talking about what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Repentance, water baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. These three make up the common salvation. The Holy Spirit is just as part of your, just as much a part of your salvation as repentance is and as water baptism is. They all work together, agree together. And you're not complete. And the church is not complete without the power of God in its midst. And that power is not just to make us happy. We come here and worship God to be filled to overflowing with his presence to go forth under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to see as the day approaches that we're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit rising up within us. Oh, we're not going to make. Why did God go through all that trouble to put Jesus on the cross, shed his blood, give a sign of water and blood, go tell the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they were due? And, do, and he said, Don't you leave Jerusalem. You know, when you leave Jerusalem without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you leave with no power. You may have works. God will honor your works. And you can only point Jesus, people to Jesus as far as you know. And then we get them repented. And get them uh, <clears throat> their sins forgiven. And leave them there. You've got to have power. We're going to have power. That, what did Jesus say? Why was Jesus so adamant after his resurrection? Do you realize even after the resurrection, the disciples did not know? Do you know what they said to him? Are you going to raise up the kingdom now? You resurrected Jesus. You're going to get an army and you're going to take over the Romans. The main thing, even including the disciples of all the Jews, that's why they were so hard to corral and rule because they would not come under any other government but the government of God. And the Romans thought, if we can just get their leader and kill him, it will disperse them. It will create fear in them. And we can round them up and we can end this thing. Remember the statement I made long ago. Because everywhere the church went after the filling of the Holy Spirit. If, uh, you know, they said, are these the, be the same people that turn the world upside down? They've come down to us. I want to be those kind of people. 
All right. So as the smitten rock released the abundance of water at Rephidim, so the smitten rock, the death of Jesus Christ, released the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as a result of the accomplished works of redemption. According to the New Testament <clears throat> recovery version <clears throat> concerning the blood and the water in John 19, 31, the blood that flowed from Jesus' side is our redemption to deal with our sins. The water that flowed from Jesus is for the imparting life through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. At our infilling of the personal experience of His Spirit, we receive divine life into our spirit. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God entered into your spirit. You see, when Adam sinned, the Spirit of God left him. And Adam could not produce a generation that he could have had he followed Jesus Christ. The Spirit left Adam. God and he, Adam, became estranged from God. God did forgive him, but he made a mess. And the plan of salvation is redemption. Redemption from what? The fallen, the fallen nature. Adam fell. On the day of Pentecost, that was restored. The preparation, the cross, the blood, the name, the infilling of the Holy Spirit brought all of that back. You see the words redeemed, restored, regenerated. When Adam sinned, life left him. The Spirit of God left him. Where was the Spirit? Adam was a lifeless carcass, natural. But the Bible says very personal and very intimate. He breathed the breath of life into Adam. And Adam what? Became a living soul. That's exactly what happens to you when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have been dead in your trespasses and, and uh, and, and sins. By the precious blood of Jesus Christ, there was a bargain. Satan didn't steal anything. Adam gave it to him. And Satan said, you want it back? You want life? God, you want life? Then life for life. The only way you're going to get this back is to give you all life. God says, okay, you got a bargain. So what happened? The Spirit of God moved upon the life of Mary. And in that womb, there was an embryo by the supernatural power of God that came in that body. And God himself filled that embryo. And Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. And life came into the world for the first time for thousands of years. Religion was dead. They couldn't live for God. They went into idolatry. And on that day, life came. Jesus was born for one purpose. And the reason why God did that is to prepare, prepare himself a body. Jesus is God incarnate and prepare himself a body to die to buy you back. The work on the cross is redemption. The work on the day of Pentecost is empowerment. And that redeemed body, that redeemed life that's been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ now is filled with the Holy Spirit because the same thing happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit rushed into that room. Everyone in that room, the 120 of them, was infused 
with the life of God. Jesus bought back life. He became a carcass. He became the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world in the plan of God. And he bought back life. And then he poured it into us by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something right now. There is no separate works here. It's all one work. Salvation is repentance, water baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and sanctification by the Holy Spirit. It's a whole work. It's a process. And then we are daily sanctified by the power of the Holy Ghost. Saints, do you know what's happened? You've been filled with the life of God. Go forth in his life and in his power. And don't back down for a thing. I got to stop. Well, that's it, folks. Amen. It is it. That's it. And that is it. And that's what he said to the disciples. And you know, in Luke 24, go, you know, if we'd read the scriptures, we'd find out. Why do we stop? We, 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 give, we give people a jerky salvation. We do. The plan of salvation is right there. Repentance, water baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit to give the church power. The church is the spirit-filled presence of God. It is His body. Spiritually, doing the works that Jesus did. Remember what he said? Remember what he said to the disciples that were standing there? And I guess they were on their way to the, to the Garden of Gethsemane in John. And Philip said, show us the Father, etc. And what did he go on to say? He was talking a little while and he said, you know, he said, I have been with you, but I'm going to be in you. And in that day, what day was that? The day of Pentecost. You shall know that I'm in the Father, and, and, and uh, you in me, and I in you. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples were enlightened. They weren't enlightened. He opened their understanding, reading in Luke 24. He opened their understanding supernaturally, I believe, and he explained all about himself in the Psalms, in, 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 uh, in the Torah, uh, in, in the prophets. He explained and went down through a 40-day crash course. He says, now you go to Jerusalem and you wait until you endure to that power that I just told you about. Don't you leave Jerusalem until you are clothed upon. Do you realize that you are clothed upon by the power of the Holy Spirit? That's the Spirit of God in you. That's why you can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. That's why you can move under the anointing of the nine gifts of the Spirit. That's why you can feel the presence of God when you come in because the Spirit of God is in you and His presence comes into the atmosphere and your spirit, which is His spirit, connects. And that's why you shake, and that's why you tremble, and sometimes that's why you feel like hollering. Because if you stuck your finger in one of these outlets out of here, you'd do something. You'd tremble, shake, shout, and I don't know what else you'd do. And we want it quiet on a nice bowl. We want it very quiet. We don't want any disturbance. Honey, I want to tell you, wherever God came in the Old Testament and the New Testament, I mean, he messed it up. God is very unconventional. And wherever you let the Spirit move, you're going to see things that's going to boggle your mind at some time. Wow. Let's stand and just lift our hands and just shout to the Lord right now. Some of you are so happy I'm getting done. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. But take this with you. Saints today. Take this with you. Are you listening to me? Take this with you. This is serious business. And you and I have a mission to accomplish. 
Ask Jesus right now to fill you to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord right now. Lift your hands and ask the Lord. Say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Over and over and over again. Lord, let me be a vessel unto honor. I want to go from this place. I want to go from this place anointed by your spirit, anointed by your power in the name of Jesus. Let's just be right now, just begin to praise him. I mean, speak and talk to him in other tongues right now. Hallelujah. Let's make this a hallowed place right now before we go. You see what you're doing right now as you are allowing the life of Jesus to spring up within you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You are powerful, God. Shape me, mold me. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you, blood and water, came forth from your side. Lord Jesus, depicting the forgiveness of sins. Amen. And the empowering by the Holy Spirit. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Lift your hands one more time. I just feel his presence right now. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you who do not have the Holy Spirit, ask God to fill you with his Spirit. We're going to be teaching all about that during these times. Hallelujah. Pastor Blessed Jesus. Blessed Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Wow. Lift your hands up. I just feel this presence. I don't want to rush before we go. I really don't. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.